feel of the new place? Is it? I feel closer to you. I think I am, don't I? You know, for one thing, the place doesn't just go straight out. It curves in, and it's kind of like the building just hugs you. <laughs> so, uh, how many understand this place sanctified to the Lord now? I mean, it's His place, and it, it will be filled with His glory. Can you sense we're going to have some fine times in the presence of the Lord? And uh, all the glory be to Him. Would you turn in the Scriptures this evening to Hebrews 6? Can you receive some word tonight? You got time? Go to Hebrews chapter 6. Let's talk about some things and, and believe the Lord. We've been talking for some weeks about diligence. And let's continue on this evening. If you brought, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, why don't you? Did we have some guys already? Oh yeah, these ushers are ready. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours and take the time, make the effort, find Hebrews. Hebrews chapter six. I know they're still tweaking the lighting, so if you can't. Read your Bible. I'll just trust me. I'll read it for you. <laughs> I won't change it. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. God is not unrighteous. It means he is righteous. Righteous is an old English word. We'd just say, God is not unright. He's right. <laughs> About what? Everything. Of course, everything. But specifically here, this verse said, He is right not to forget your work and your labor of love. Everybody say, labor of love. Labor of love. Say it again. Excuse me, labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do, the sh do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Thank you, Lord. God's not unrighteous. He's not unfair, unjust to forget your work and labor of love. So what does that mean? He remembers it. He remembers it and he rewards it. Doesn't he? Hebrews eleven six. The Lord's been stirring me up about that phrase. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to it. A lot of you know it could quote it. It said, without faith, it's impossible. Now, not just hard, not just can't do it on most occasions, impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must, somebody say must. must. This is not optional. Amen. 
this is mandatory, must believe that he is and, in other words, and you must believe that he is a rewarder. That's where a lot of folk are falling down on it. A lot of Christians believe he is. They believe God exists. And they believe God is God. They believe he's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's all-powerful. He's the eternal one. But they don't believe the next part. And the Bible said you must believe that too. What's What's the last part? You must believe. You must believe that when you work hard for the Lord and you obey Him and you step out and you do everything you know to do to please Him, you must believe He'll reward you. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. He'll heal you. He'll prosper you. Somebody say glory to God. Now this church, if you're, if you're visiting, let me inform you. This church believes God is a good God. Yes. Every day and every night. Yes. We believe God will save you and forgive you and wash you and cleanse you and never even bring up your past to you again. <laughs> no matter how squirrely and crazy you've been, He'll clean you up and fill you with the Holy Spirit and use you. And make a blessing out of you. We believe God will make you rich. Just flat rich. Somebody said, you mean in spirit. No, I mean every way. Every way. I mean with money rich. Every way. God will flat heal your body. Heal you. Heal you. Restore you. And make you rich. Help your kids. Help you on the job. Give you your own business. Give you two or three. Give you your own apartment and your own house and two or three houses. We just believe he's that good and better than that. But come to find out, we're required to believe that. Now, a lot of of Christians think they're not. They think they're okay just believing God's God. But according to the Bible, we are required to believe that he is also a good rewarder. Well, why am I talking about this? Well, there's a whole lot of people that don't work for the Lord at all. There's a whole lot of people that's not in the building tonight are joined by Internet. They don't go to church anywhere, and they don't care, and they don't do anything for the Lord, and they don't think it's a big deal. And it's obvious that they're lacking in believing that God is. Or even if they do believe God is, they don't believe that it's worthwhile. Why do they need to do any, you know, anything? Uh, we get any good out of it? Because so many people are very carnal and they only want to know what's in it for me. Well, there's a lot in it for you. If you help somebody else. Right? But He is a rewarder. Say it out loud. God will never forget. My work, my work and my labor of love, my labor of love for his things, for his, things, for his, people, for his people, he has said, he has said in, his holy word, in his holy word, he would reward me. He said it. And he started out with that before he talked about the diligence part, because if you don't know that and you don't believe that, well, you're not going to be diligent. 
Hmm? You're going to think, what's the use? Well, there is a lot of use. Hebrews 6, are you there? He said, we desire, verse 11, that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end that you be not slothful. One translation says, don't be dull and lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We define diligence. We said diligence, it literally means vehemence. It means being earnest and fervent. Romans 12, 11 says, don't be slothful in business, but be fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Be eager, determined, do it promptly, do it early, do it with speed. And God sure knew what was coming up, didn't he? Didn't he know it? Because he was... You know, when we started on this series, we didn't know this was going to happen, but he did, and he's had us on faith to receive, and we need to have our faith and our believer and our receiver tuned right up, didn't we, to believe we receive a bunch in a hurry. How about a million cash in a month? Well, ain't no time to be begging and floundering around. You You need to believe you receive. And you know, it's that way all the time. If we'll listen, God will have us ready. If we'll pay attention, He's talking to us, isn't He? And He'll have us ready. And so He ministered to us week after week about diligence, about being earnest, and about being prompt, and doing it quick. And we see why. We see some reasons why. Already now. And I tell you, I believe I have seen some diligence. I said, I believe I have seen some. Now, if you had not been around, you may not know what I'm talking about, but I mean, we've got a whole bunch of folks that hadn't had four hours sleep in three weeks. Lots, a number of the guys stayed up all night last night. They haven't been to sleep yet. And people have worked when they didn't feel like working. And they have pushed, and they have worked, and they have been fervent, and they have been diligent. And I believe the Lord's pleased with it. I believe the Lord is pleased. And uh, if you missed out on the opportunity to do some of these things, well, it ain't over. (laughs) And even when the building's complete, it ain't over. There's going to be a lot of things to do and that the Lord will call on us to do, and we need to be diligent. And what you see in church after church and ministry after ministry, you see a handful of people overworked while 90% of the folk do nothing. Now, that's not our church. Hmm? I said, that's not our church. Uh, and I, I'm believing for the revelation of it to grow in an increasing fashion, but we already see a, a good portion of our church that it takes personal responsibility and has been fervent and been diligent. I know a lot of folk that couldn't be here, they've sown, even our e-members, e-members have sown by the Internet. And people have come, got on plane, planes and flew here and worked and sweat and got dirty and yes, stayed up late. And the Lord does not forget it. Isn't that what we read? There's no way He's going to forget this. But in the future, as the Lord gives us additional 
projects and additional things for his kingdom and for his people, I want us to have some things in mind. Uh, In Hebrews 6, we read it, but look at it again. Verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget what? Your what? Work. Work. Work is God's idea. It really is. Your work and what else? Your labor of love. Now, in thinking about these things and looking at it, you'll see that some people work fervently and some people work some and some people work not at all. Right? I'm not just talking about in in, in the church here or or on these weeks. I'm just talking about in life. Look at this scripture in, uh, let's see. Romans 16. Everybody happy tonight? We got anything to be thankful for? Romans chapter 16. How many believe every word in the Bible is significant? Then notice these words. Romans 16 and 12. Actually, if you back up to verse uh, 05, he's saying greet this one, salute this one, and verse 6, greet this one, and verse 7, salute this one, and and verse 8, greet this one, and 9, salute this one, and verse 10, salute this one, salute that one, verse 11, salute this one, and verse 12, salute that. Keep right, right on down through. And uh, how many believe that this is unimportant that he's just saying howdy? That they really could have left all this out. Oh, no, no. (laughs) This is inspired of of the Lord. Well, notice this then, verse, uh, uh, what is it, 16? No, 12, yeah, thank you. Salute Trifina. And Trifosa, who what? Labor. Labor. How? In the Lord. Lord. Well, that's good to be mentioned in the Bible that you was working in the Lord. Read the next phrase. Salute the beloved Persis, who what? Labored much. (laughs) Well, he gave him a word he didn't give the other guys. Right? You got labor and then you got labored much. He labored much in the Lord. Now there is a difference. And there is a difference in fervency. And there's a difference in diligence. And I've seen it year after year in ministry. And I've talked to pastors and I talk to ministers all the time. And, I, and guys are frustrated, and people are frustrated about stuff. Uh, I don't know at the times I've been asked to know the churches, how do you get your people to work like that? <laughs> well, I don't. I said, I don't. Y'all know we don't berate you for not working, right? 
We don't preach condemnation. How do you get to people? For, for meetings, sometimes people come and they see how diligent people are in their teams and how fervent. Not only are they there early to late and, and fervent in it, but act like they want to do it. Right? I mean, it's not enough just to be there all day. It's, it's good if people feel like you want to be there and that you're, you might be enjoying it. <laughs> really affects the atmosphere, doesn't it? The environment. And uh, people have commented about it. But the thing is, what you see is that there are different commitment levels among all people and among all believers. Say it out loud, different, different. commitment, commitment. Levels. levels. There are different levels of commitment to the Lord. I know I learned a valuable lesson. I was only in like the first year of ministry. And the Lord dealt with me in the middle of the night to go speak to somebody about something. Told me what to say and what to do. It was supernatural. And I went and said, I tried not to, you know, make a big fanfare out about it. But I, it was serious and, and I focused. And they did not receive it at all. <laughs> they shut me down and just didn't like me anymore after that. And so I was kind of unhappy about the way it turned out. I thought, Lord, that was... <laughs> and, and I took it personal. And uh, that they had really... They, they just shut me down and rejected what I had said. And for two or three days, I, you know, I tried not to mope about it, but it, it, it really kind of took the sail out of my wind. The, what did I say? <laughs> Wind, I, wind out of myself. <laughs> I've had a couple of long days myself, so. <laughs> um, and in a time of prayer, the Lord said, Son, if they don't receive me, don't be surprised if they don't receive you. He said, don't take it personal. He said, the problem is that, he said, their, their commitment to me they're not listening to me. And if they're not listening to me, don't be shocked or surprised at all if they don't listen to you and don't take it personal. It's me they got an issue with. And that was a real eye-opener to me and I've reminded myself of it ever since. I mean, I'm, I'm a man, I could make a mistake. But so many times it is the Lord and it is the word of the Lord and you need to keep that in mind with yourself and with your family and with your friends. If people are not committed to the Lord, they're not going to be committed to you. Did you hear me? If people are not committed, you know, and receiving the Lord and listening to Him, they're not going to listen to you. Don't be shocked. Don't be hurt and offended so bad you can't get over it. Realize that they're rejecting somebody bigger than you, more important than you. And that that is the real issue. I said, that's the real issue. Go with me, if you would, to the book of John. You got time for this tonight? Go to the book of John. Let's talk about the greatest example of commitment that there's ever been. You know who that might be? Jesus. John 14.
John 14, verse 23. Well, verse, uh, let's see, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Go down to verse 31 first. Verse 31. Jesus said that the world may know, this is John 14, 31, that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let's go hence. Well, what's he saying? Get up, let's go. Get up, let's go where? Hmm? He's going to the cross. He's going to the, the, the whipping post. He's going to bear the sins of mankind. He's going through an agony that he sweat blood and pled with the Father if there's any other way. How far did his commitment go? That's the right answer. All the way. Somebody say it again. All the way. How far was Jesus willing to go? To please the Father. This is one of the greatest things you'll ever think about tonight in life. So Jesus' commitment to the Father and by obeying it was to us because none of it was for Him. It was all for us. How far was He willing to go for us? All the way. Say it again. And this is not theory. He did it. Didn't he? He didn't just talk about it. He didn't just say he was willing to do it. If it come down to it, he's ready. He's got our back. If we need it, no, he did it all the way. He gave everything he had. We, We still don't realize what he gave and what he did. It'll be eternity before we fully realize it. But he offered his spirit for our spirit, his soul for our soul, his mind for our mind, his body for our body. He gave everything he had. He gave all of his life's blood. Are you listening? He was willing to be made sin, though he was sinless, had never committed a sin. He was willing to take all of the terrible debauchery. Think about all the sins of all the murderers and perverted folk from all generations past through the present, every human being that will ever live in the future, converging at once on his spotless, sinless spirit. Can you see why he cried out? If there's any other way. But there wasn't. There was no other way for you and I to be saved. And so he was willing. None of this happened. None of the scourging. None of the cross. None of what happened in the heart of the earth surprised Jesus. He saw it in the Word. He knew it by the Spirit. The Father had talked to him about it. Elijah and Moses came and talked to him about it. Right? He knew what was coming up. And yet, 
even as, as, as repulsed by it, even though his, his sinless being was recoiling from it, he was willing to do it, wasn't he? Somebody say commitment. How committed was he? All the way. Read that verse again, verse 31. I want you to read it in the light of what we've been talking about. Now, how many understand nothing, there's nothing else to happen after this but go through it? What happens in these next chapters? He, he, he's up to it, right? And he knew it. And he said that the world, not just the church, that the whole world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me a commandment, so the Father told him to do it, didn't he? Gave him a commandment to do it. As the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Get up, boys. Let's go. It's time. Can you see the resolve? Don't you love him? What, what an example. How far does his commitment to us go? All the way. How far does his love for the Father and commitment to obey and please the Father go? Nothing held back. Nothing. Somebody say, no reserve. No reserve. He gave it all. And he walked it all out. And he went all the way. I mean, he went to hell for us. I know people don't like to hear it, but it's a fact. It's scripture. You can't go any further down than that. Right? He was made sin with our sin. You can't go any further than that. You can't go any further down than that. So how many would agree his commitment is unquestioned? Right? Anybody that would ever question whether Jesus is committed to them or not uh, is foolish or ignorant or something. Right? Because he has proven, he has demonstrated how committed he is to the Father and to us. And how many know that wasn't the end of it? The Bible said today he ever lives to make intercession for us. Ever is what? All the time. And from here on out, how committed is he to us? Daily. He is our advocate. Daily. He's our every day and every night, every moment of every day and every night. He ever lives to plead our case, to represent us at the right hand of the Father. His blood is speaking our innocence off the mercy seat. I'm just endeavoring to establish and reaffirm His commitment level should be unquestioned, without dispute. He's proven it. Right? How far will Jesus go for you? All the way. He's done it. So really, that only leaves one side. <laughs> right? One side. You might know what I'm going to say now. 
our commitment level. How committed are we to him? He has proven his. He, he came, he was born of a man, that proved it. He lived his life spotless, that proved it. He went to the cross for us, that proved it. He took our sin, that proved it. He was raised from the dead, that proved it. He ever lives to make intercession, that proves it every day and every night. So the question is with us then. His is, his is proven and, and undisputed. But with us, how far does our commitment level go? How far are we willing to go for him? Look with me in First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, actually. Second Timothy, and the third chapter. I should have had you hold your place in John, but you can find it again. You know right where it's at, don't you? Second Timothy. What are we talking about now? My, your level of commitment to the Lord. Is this okay to talk about tonight or not? Yes. Huh? Can you handle it? Yes. We're, not, we're not interested in condemnation. We're not interested in anybody feeling bad or feeling guilty or ashamed or anything. No, no future in that. No help in that. But do you suppose we could come up to a higher level? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh? Well, four or five people think they can. <laughs> we can. All of us can. Right? All of us should examine our level of commitment and see where we are and be honest about where we are and then where we need to be. It's for our good. I said it's for our good. It's for our benefit. And we need to already have some things decided before the Lord begins to deal with us about our future and the next things that are coming up. Second Timothy, are you there? Second Timothy, the third chapter doesn't paint a real rosy picture, but it's talking about 2007 and later. This know that in the last days, how many know this is as last as it's ever been, as late as it's ever been, perilous times will come. Why will they be so perilous? For... Men shall be lovers of what? Lovers of what? Their own selves. So what will men love most? Their self. So their commitment level would be the highest to who? Their self. Keep reading. Boasters. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, um, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Now go back to things. All of that stems out of loving yourself more than anything, anything or anybody else. Why will you treat people this way? Because you don't care much about them. You just care about you. Why will you not be faithful? Why will you not be committed? Why will you walk on other people and use them? Because you only care about what you want. You're committed to your pleasure, which is the next phrase. Read it. 
Men will be what? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, then what would they be more committed to? Well, whatever you love the most is what you're going to be committed to the most. And we got folks that are highly committed to their pleasure. Right? And the Bible said it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. And so we got to watch about the world around about us that it doesn't infect us. And we get sucked into it because the whole generation, this generation of the earth, and if the Lord tarries is coming, the one following is moving toward continuous and complete self-gratification. Can you see it already in motion? And people are committed to that end. Their time, their resources, their labor, their fervency. What will they stay up all night? And what will they travel and spend money for? My pleasure. Right? Something that entertains me. Something that makes me feel the way I want to feel. And people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of their own pleasure and their own comfort and excitement more than what? Lovers of God. Somebody say, not me. Not me. Say it again, not me. Not me. Not me. I love God, I love God. More, more than I love myself. Say it again together. I love God more than I love myself. Now let's go beyond that. What does that mean? That means you love and desire what He wants for you more than you desire what you think you want for you. And let's go beyond it. You are committed more <laughs> to what He wants for you than you are committed to what you want for you. Now, would God this was a reality with most Christians? But it is not. I said it is not. We've got millions of Christians. They believe in the Lord and they're trusting Him for, to be saved when they die. But the, the extent of their commitment to God is to come to church on Christmas and Resurrection Sunday. That is the whole of their commitment to God. Are y'all with me now? Never mind the Bible told them not to forsake the assemblings of themselves together and numerous other things. Okay, that's all. I know I should do more but I just don't. We're so busy in life and we got our job and our business and our family. How many understand a whole lot of people are way more committed to their family than they are God? And they think that's all right. They think that's justifiable. And it is not at all. I said it is not at all. Some folks, they, their, their commitment level is a little higher. They come once a month, <laughs> most of the time. Now, don't ask them to do anything. Don't expect them to do anything. Their commitment level just doesn't run beyond that. 
they're not willing to give anymore and they think they're just talking to people and I'm not willing to give the church anymore but the truth is they're not willing to give God anymore. Are y'all with me now? Then there's other folk that are more committed. You can count on them. They're there most of the time and they'll do a little bit. Don't ask for much. Now, don't interfere with supper time. Right? Don't interfere with their golf time. Right? But if they can work it in their schedule around their other stuff, they might do it. Are y'all with me now? And that's just reality. Don't ask for any more than that. Don't expect any more. Why? Because their commitment level to God doesn't go beyond that. That's all they're willing to give God. Oh, they think it's the church. They thought it's all I'm willing to give you or the people. Or No, it's God. That's all they're willing to give God. Their commitment level doesn't go that far. Thank God Jesus didn't stop short like that. <laughs> what if he just stopped short? <laughs> huh? Hmm. <laughs> And how many understand it was not convenient for Jesus to go to the cross? It was not easy. It's not something he wanted to do. How many understand to be fully committed to God is going to cost you something? But is it worth it? Is it the life that your heart desires? Is it the most fulfilling life that there's ever been? Is there reward? both here and now and then and there. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Go to Numbers 14 real quickly. Well, <laughs> on your way to Numbers, you're headed that way. Stop by John 13. That's, that's where I said you ought to hold your place, so. Well, we'll hear. <laughs> How far does our commitment level go? Hmm? That is the right answer. <laughs> we don't know if that's so or not. It's a good confession. But with most Christians, it's a long ways from so. Most Christians. And it's not for me to judge you or you to judge me. But we need to be honest with ourselves, don't we? We talked about folk that their commitment level is twice a year. Folk that's more than that, but not all the way. And there's levels, you understand, all between this. But how many know there is an elite group of folk? I'm talking about in the earth now. There is a select not that many of them, <laughs> but there's a group of folk that they are available to Jesus 24-7. Thank you for those three nods. There's a group of people that it doesn't matter what they got going on or what they think they want or what they think they need. They are on call for Jesus. 
24-7. And if He needs them or wants them anywhere doing anything, they will drop it all. They will make it happen. If it costs them, they don't care. They will lay down their life if that's what it takes to get the job done. They are actually willing to do what He did for them. Go all the way. Can you say amen? Would you like to be in that elite group? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody say, help me, Lord, to attain to this. So many think they're more committed than they are. John 13, are you there? How many know that would be true? So many think, oh, they think, you get to talking to them, Oh, man, I'd go, anything Jesus wants, anything. Oh, I'd do it, I'd anything. But they're deceived. Because when it comes even to a small thing, they start backpedaling. And they go, oh, look at the time. I, I wish I could, but I, I've got this and I've got that. Listen to this and, and see this. John 13. John 13 and verse 37. This is really serious. Now, this is just a few verses before where Jesus said that the whole world may know how much I love the Father. I am going to do this thing. Get up. Let's go now. Just a few verses before that, the the disciples are getting the picture of what's about to happen, and it's shaking them. Verse 36, John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Because he kept telling them, I'm leaving. Where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. What's he saying? Yeah. Come on, tell me again. What what did Peter just say? He said, my commitment level, Jesus, is all the way. Why can't I go? I will go with you. I don't care where you're going. If it's out of this life, I will go now. I will die for you. Do you think he believed that? I think he did. I think he really thought that he was willing to go all the way. I think he thought his commitment level went all the way. But did it? No. What did Jesus tell him? What did Jesus say? Will you? Lay down your life for us. How many know it ain't all about talk? <laughs> uh, you can talk, but that don't. And, and how many know in, in the church, in Christian circles, there is a lot of talk? Oh, there's a lot of talk. I don't know how many times Phyllis and I have heard, oh, we. We love y'all. We love this ministry. We're with you. We're with you. And that was for three days or three weeks or three months. One reason I'm preaching tonight, though, is because we have seen some commitment. I said we've seen some commitment. If you've been around here these last three weeks, you have seen more than talk. You've seen walk. Right? I believe the Lord's pleased with it. And I believe that if you're faithful, I know that if you're faithful in one thing, you qualify for something bigger. And that God has, is able now to promote folks and increase 
I know it. I see it in my spirit. But you don't want to stop at the next place. I said you don't want to stop at the next place. And every day and every week and every month, there are going to be tests. And they are commitment tests. There have been commitment tests these past, this past month. A lot of people did pretty good on them and passed some. Some people didn't pass them. But that's all right. You, you can still pass tests. Are you all with me now? There are going to be more opportunities. Don't, don't fret. Don't, don't get concerned. There are going to be more opportunities. But the thing is, you need to make up your mind. I'm going to pass these commitment tests. I'm going to quit failing them. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be slothful. I'm going to be diligent. And why am I going to be diligent? Because I love somebody more than I love my own life, than my own schedule, than my pleasure, than boating or fishing or golfing or eating supper at a certain time. I love God. And if He wants me and needs me, I'm there. And it not just be talk. Jesus looked at him. He said, will you? Go all the way. Will you? Lay down your life for me, Peter. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Before the rooster crows this morning, you will have denied. You look at other verses talking about that you even know me. Three times. Peter wouldn't accept it, would he? He looked at him and he said, no way. No way. Now, Jesus, I got your back. I'm your man. You understand? How many understand when Jesus tells you you're about to blow it, it ain't time to argue? <laughs> he tells you your commitment level ain't what you think it is. It ain't time for you to get up in his face and go, no, you're wrong. If I say I'm committed, I'm going to be there for you. How many know what Peter should have been doing was hitting the carpet, right? He should have been hitting the dirt, saying, oh, Jesus, what can I do? Help me. Show me what to do. Have mercy. But I want you to know something that went with this. Just a, a little bit later, well, actually, this here, and it's also in Matthew's account. It said, Matthew, don't, tr don't turn here, but Matthew 26, he came to his disciples how many know that in the garden he, he told them, watch with me? Remember that? Pray with me. And, and they saw he was in, a, in a, a rough way. He was in an agony. And I don't know how often he did this, but he asked them to pray with him and to help him. Didn't he? And you know, the three of them came with him a little further and closer than the other ones. And, and you can tell he was counting on them. He was asking them, help me. And he came back in a few minutes and what? Snoozing. They got flesh. We got flesh. We know what that's like. But what did he say? What? He said, you couldn't watch with me for an hour. Now, now, why am I breaking this up? Because failing this test is prophetic. Did y'all see this? What happened after this? It was after this that Peter denied him, that he even knew him, stood out there and cursed and said, I, never, I don't know the man. Do you see what I'm talking about here now? 
when you're failing little tests, you're kidding yourself if you think you'd pass the big ones. Are y'all with me now? But see, there are millions of Christians that believe. Now, I don't go for all this man-made stuff and I don't submit to any man but the Lord. Now, I'd do anything the Lord asked me to do. I'd, I'd climb the highest mountain for Jesus. I'd do it. I'd Whatever it took, I'd do it. I'm committed to my Jesus. And yet, week after week passes, and Jesus never asks them to do anything. And month after month passes, and Jesus never asks them to do anything. And year after year passes, and Jesus never asks them to do anything. So even decades pass, and they never have an opportunity to demonstrate this tremendous commitment that they have for the Lord. Or is that what's really happening? No. What's happening is they are so dull and carnal, they don't realize the Lord asked them. Hmm? He's already asked them numerous times and numerous places, but all they could see was people. Did you hear me? All they could see was people and ministers and pastors and church and stuff and saints. And to them, that wasn't the Lord. So they keep waiting month after month and year after year. Now, if Jesus asked me to do something, if he told me to do it, by the Lord, and not aware enough to realize they have turned the Lord down, Hundreds of times. How many remember what Jesus said? Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. So how many know? They're around here working this week and last week. You did it for him. He takes it personally. You did this for him. And oh, it's a good thing. I mean, I know a lot of you are tired and having a tough time holding your eyelids up right now. But listen, you know in your spirit and how many are tired will be passed. I mean, you'll catch up on your sleep and you'll get ahead of this. But to know that you were there for him when he called on you. A lot of you stepped up with your pocketbook. You couldn't be here, but you sent money and you prayed and you believed. How many know there's nothing like it in this life to know the Lord called on you and you answered? You were there. You did it. While other people are waiting for something spectacular to happen year after year and seemingly the Lord never tells them to do anything or never asks them to do anything and their life is going to pass them by and it's going to be over. And there's another side of what he said. Inasmuch as you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, what did he say? You didn't do it for me. How many know you don't have to wait till you see the Almighty coming down the street with the gold band on and the glow? 
And Jesus look at you and personally say, I would like to ask you to do something for me. If you're waiting for that, you can live and die and never have that happen. How many understand if his church needs it, he needs it. If his ministry is needed, he needs it. If his people, his children needed, he needs it. You're there for that, you're there for him. You did it for them, you did it for him. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go with me to Numbers. Did you still have that place? Numbers 14. I think I can wind this up pretty quick. Don't hold me to it, though. (laughs) Did you get that last part, though? You think it's so that many, many, many believers think their commitment level goes further than it really does? And they're kidding themselves? Let's not deceive ourselves. And if you're not there in the small thing, how many know you're kidding yourself that you'd be there for the big thing? It's just not true. It's a lie. And that you don't have to wait for something spectacular. That the Lord needs things all the time. Right? That if you pay attention to your spirit, he's dealing with you. You don't have to hear an audible voice. You don't have to have an angelic visit. Something's going on, and he prompts you on the inside. You have a witness. Help out with that. Well, that's all you need. Right? And whatever you do, we, we talked about this before, do it with all your might. Do it diligently as unto the Lord. Why? Because he takes it personally takes it personally. Numbers 14. Now notice this and get ready to shout about it. Numbers 14. What about people who do go the rest of the way? People who really are committed. Do they get benefits that the others don't? Do they see things that the others don't? Receive things that the others don't? Are there rewards to following God all the way? Oh, exceeding abundantly above all you ever asked or thought. Numbers 14, are you there? The congregation lifted up their voice and they cried in unbelief. They said, wish we'd all died in Egypt instead of dying in this wilderness. Joshua and Caleb said, no, God's with us. Let's go get it now. Where was their commitment level? Where was their commitment level? The whole rest of the nation is crying and bailing on them. And what are they saying? <laughs> Sound like Jesus, don't it? Get up. Let's go. Let's go. Why? The Lord needs us now. He's told us to do this thing. Let's do it. And what if we die trying to believe God? <laughs> what if you die in fear? Doubting God. (laughs) The Lord tells is coming. We're all going to die. None of us here, but just for a few days. People act like dying is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Not so. Listen to this and think about this. 
Living in fear is far worse than dying in faith. Don't forget that. Think about that. Keep that in your mind. Living in fear is living in part of hell. You ever heard people talking about hell on earth? That's not just conjecture. It's a little bit of hell on earth. Why? Fear half torment, the Bible says. That's what hell is. Hell is torment. Same words. Living in fear, cowering in your own lack instead of stepping out to obey God, living in condemnation, living in self-despising and low self-loathing because you know you're not man enough, woman enough, faith enough to get up and try to obey God. It's far worse than dying with your boots on. Anybody know what I mean by that? What I mean by dying, believing God. Because what happens if you died believing God? <laughs> One minute you're in the fire and you're saying, I don't care what I see, I believe God. Next thing you know, there he is. <laughs> and he's looking at you going, that's good, boy, that's good, that's good. Come over here. Let me show you some real stuff. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen. No, 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 no. So these guys knew that. Joshua and Caleb, they know people die in battle. They know they're outnumbered. They know these guys are giants. They know they got walled cities and iron tanks and big stuff. They know it, they know it, but they don't care. They don't care. God has called on them to lead these people into this place. Oh, come on, somebody get stirred up beside me. God has called and said, Caleb, I need you. He said, yes, sir, I'm here. Joshua, I need you, boy. I want you to do something for me. He said, yes, sir, I'm here. Everybody else is bailing and saying, it's too hard. It's too long. We can't do it. It's too big. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, God said he's with us. Come on, come on. Get your stuff on. Let's go. Come on. And they wanted to stone them and kill them. And they had to put up with wandering around in the desert with that belly aching, griping, complaining, uncommitted bunch for 40 years. But they had so much commitment in them, they wouldn't quit. They kept getting older and older and older. Now they're 20 years past retirement age. <laughs> So-called. And they kept looking across the fire at each other every night out in the desert while the rest of the bunch is crying in their tents saying, I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going over. And look at this. Look at this. Numbers 14 did, did not go unnoticed by the Lord. Numbers 14 and 24. 
He said, verse 23, Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. If your commitment level doesn't go far enough, can you miss some things? Can you not see some things and not enter in and receive some things? But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has what? Come on, read it out loud. He's done what? He followed me fully. How far did Caleb's commitment go? Come on, tell me. Tell me. All the way. So because his commitment went all the way, how far did God take him? You understand? He went further than Moses. He went further than all of his elders and everybody else in his whole generation. There was only one other man that went with him. Joshua? Why? Because even 40 years of scorpions and deserts and unbelief couldn't get their commitment out of them. They said, I don't care. God called me. Now, Lord, I'm here. I know we're just going around in circles year after year, but I'm here. I'm reporting for duty. Whenever you get ready to send me in, I am here, and I'm going. You told me to go, and here I am. I'm going to go. And because he said he has followed me fully, he said what? I will bring him into the land which he went and his seed shall possess it. Deuteronomy 1.36, he said, uh, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, God's talking, and to him I will give the land that he's trodden upon and his children because he has wholly followed the Lord. I believe I'm talking to people that will receive this in here. And I'm talking to myself. We're going to be not a half-hearted, half-committed, partially committed. Don't mess with our schedule. We'll only go as far as this. We can't commit to this. Don't talk to us about tithing. It makes us mad. Don't, don't infringe on us. Hey, our family comes first. Our business comes first. That's not us. People can do that if they want to. But that's not us. I said, that's not us. We aspire and believe, are believing God to be fully committed. Fully. Somebody say fully. And it not just be talk. Fully committed. We talked about Ruth and Naomi. Huh? Naomi tried to get her to go, didn't, didn't she? And when the Bible said when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she quit and said, well, come on. Why? She's committed. How many know Elijah and Elisha? They got down to the end there, and Elijah kept telling Elisha, you don't have to go to the next place. Go, go. It's, it's long. It's been a long trip. Go rest. He said, uh-uh. Nah, as the Lord lives and as you're alive, I'm going with you. He told him three times. Somebody said three times. Three times. He said, now, this is far enough. You can stay here. You don't have to go. He said, no, uh-uh, no. As the Lord lives, and as long as he's alive, and you alive, and I'm alive, yes. you're going to see me. Yeah. I'm here. Yes, and it wasn't just talk. 
and he was. And did he receive anything? Oh, come on, see the big picture here. Did Ruth receive anything? Oh, we talked about that. Did she see things other people didn't see? Wonder about what her sister-in-law thought when she read about her in the society column. And they saw the pictures of their big wedding. Huh? Wonder what she thought. Wish I'd have stayed with Mama Naomi. Huh? But it was too late. Her commitment didn't go that far. What about Elisha? What did he see? He saw the glory of God. He saw chariots of fire. He saw angels. He saw the mantle come down out of heaven. He got a double portion of what he had been serving with and saw twice the miracles. Are the rewards for being fully committed, going all the way? Stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Oh, let's lift our hands. Praise the Lord. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you.